before we start, here's a message from one of our friends. All work and no play makes for a dull way to live, don't you agree? Join me, Adam Ray, and a very special guest each week on the Hostile Takeover, where they and I discuss their favourite game, PC, console, board game or tabletop, whatever they decide, what we will talk about. Let gaming be the way forward. Working's too much. It's time for a Hostile Takeover, coming soon to a podcast feed near you. Welcome to the show where people share their passions. Everyone is a geek about something. I am your super dummy Paul on a mission to learn from people's experiences. This is Era of Geek. Remember, if you have any feedback for the show, you can drop me an email at contact at superdummy.co.uk. If there's anybody you'd like me to reach out to, do let me know and I'll see what I can do. But now, get comfortable and let's hear from today's guest. Hello, listeners. My name is Matt Garvey. I am a comic writer. I live in Essex. I like rainy days and going to the cinema. And I, my favourite food is pizza. Does that help? Yeah. Do you like walks on the beach as well? Hate it. Hate the beach. <laughs> Hate the beach. No, seriously. The the, the beach. Like everyone goes, oh, the sun. Let's go to the beach. Like, why? Well, like you sit. Oh, you sit next to the coast as a breeze. You don't need to go physically on the beach to enjoy the beach. Like just sit. On a, on a bench, with the wind, enjoy the sunshine, and eat a bag of chips. Like, the sand in your toes, no. It's glass. <laughs> All you're doing is walking on glass. And then, when you leave, it's there between your toes for the rest of the day, till you, get, till you have a shower. Doesn't matter if they have them little taps to reach your feet in and stuff like that. Doesn't matter. You just gotta pick up the sand. And it sticks to your skin and your calves and your, you know, your, my cankles, and I hate it. I hate the beach. Well, there you go. So you won't see him at the beach. Um, You'll never see me at the beach. <laughs> I'm never going to the Brighton Comic Con for that very reason. <laughs> but people will know you from your work. Uh, no, um, what would they know you for? Um, I have a YouTube channel where I help people to realise their dream of never making money making comics, uh, which is always a fun one. Um I also make my own comics. Um, I've been writing for about a decade. Actually, I had hair when I started writing comics, and I've literally just started shaving it because there's not a lot left on top. Um, in that time, I've put out about 25 comics. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much me. You might know me from Twitter as well. I tend to be quite loud and positive and encouraging and retweet art and comics a lot. But apart from that, yeah. You are a big person who tries to push the art and comics and geekdom in general, the positive side, you, you do try and push it forward in many different ways. And your Twitter feed is quite a good example of that. Do you know what it is? I try because, I mean, I am probably older than most people on Twitter. I've literally just hit 40. And when I was a kid, you know, growing up, comics was never, it was never cool like it is now. Like if you walk to school, like, yeah, I read comics. Like, oh, you read comics. Like, oh, it's good. Like, 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 when I was a kid, you used to have the shit beating out of you reading comics. It was like, it was, and and there was like one other kid at school that read comics. I didn't want to be friends with him because he was a geek. <laughs> <laughs> I was friends with him. He's weird. 
Look, it's like comics. Like, no. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, it's like, do you know what it is? It's even now, like, you know, going through like COVID and stuff like that, even though it's, we are more connected than ever on social media, there's a lot of like negativity out there about comics. And that it, it just fries my brain. It's like, Take it wrong. Like I work like 45, 50 hours a week in my day job. You know, I've got a wife, I've got a kid, but like in my spare time, like I get to make comics. It's really amazing. What is that? Like, like I get to sit at my computer, write my strange ideas into I was gonna say typewriter. I was gonna say like, into my keyboard, <laughs> into my keyboard, and I get to work with really amazing artists, collaborators, collaborators, and they get to like draw that stuff, and I get to see it. Like awesome there should be like no negativity in comics at all so what i try to do online is i try to encourage people because i'm an idiot like like if you've been listening to this for like the last five minutes you can tell that i am an idiot but do you know what if i can make a comic it's your cakes i'm an idiot so so that's what i try and help people with badly well, no, you say badly. That's not very nice on you. I'm going to – I'll defend you even if you won't. <laughs> Your YouTube channel is great. It goes for – it's you've started right at the very beginning of the process and you're going through every different step and you're now speaking to a lot more creators as well, bringing them on. And you, There is a world where this project that you're putting on YouTube, someone could sit there, watch it all, and then at the end of it make a comic. The reason why I started the channel was, again, it was because of lockdown. And, you know, um, when I do comic cons, I don't do many, like, because, you know, travel restrictions and stuff like that. And, and family sad. And stuff. And sad. Fucking good <laughs> And um, no, and what it is, is when, um, when, I, when I do comic cons, like, it's so nerve-wracking. Like, you see people, they they come up and speak to you. And so some are quite, quite open, like, they're very, like, positive and confident they'll come and just ask you know how do you make comics but every now and then you get like that shy person that just comes over have a flick through the book and you can see them working up the courage to ask how mm. how do you do it how do you start how do you find an artist how do you write a script that you know how do you, like just, there's so many different questions about the process and because there was no comic cons i couldn't help those people so i thought you know if i just record my ugly face which will hopefully put off as many people as they possibly can if I could go through all, all the questions that I had when I first started making comics, because I was in the exact same position, because like I, it's a lot better now because there's books about writing comics, you know, like Brian Michael Bendis and a couple of other people, like they've got books about how to write a comic, you know, there's great books about lettering and about colour, that kind of thing. They kind of weren't about when I started making comics, so I had to kind of figure it out myself. And these are questions that ev- everyone has. And like, a great example, and I, I am not bigging up my channel whatsoever. You know, it's it's there if people need it and stuff like that. But there's there's one video, and it, there's one video on that. There's not one video on the whole channel. There's like <laughs> there's like ninety, but there, there's a there's like one video in particular, and it gets a hundred and fifty views every couple of days, like like seventy views a day, gets, which it's been up for a year and a bit. And I kind of think, well, that's not the status of me over and over again. I don't know. It's like, that means like some person has put it into YouTube and gone, you know, how do I make comics? And the, the video is called like, um, new comic creators don't do this. And I go through all like the big pitfalls that we all go through when we make comics. I guess like 70 views a day. So that's 70 people every day that are watching that video. And they now know something that they shouldn't do before they start, which is hopefully going to, miss the pitfalls that I fell into 
the mistakes that I made. So hopefully that helps. And, and that, that's the whole idea of the channel is to go through each stage of the comic making process and not just the comic making process. Like now I'm, I'm still doing stuff about writing and stuff like that, but now I'm moving on to like how to sell your comics to comic book shops, how to sell your comics at comic cons, because everyone wants to break into comics, which is great. If you can do it, fantastic, but they don't realize it's a comic business and there is a business aspect. And the video that I'm going to drop tomorrow, people are going to hate, but it's probably one of the most important videos that I've done and when you see this in May or hear this in May you can go back and see it and it's all about not giving me free comics I and I have people come to me that go Matt like really like your comics really like your YouTube really like your Twitter and they bring me free comics and it is the it anyway people could think I'm such a horrible person I love it it's lovely thank you so much I am so grateful that you want to give me a copy of a comic and it's like I will if you give me a copy of a comic I will take it I will take it home and I will read it and I will love it. And I'll, I'll put it and I'll bag it and board and I'll put it in my long boxes and stuff like that. And I'll never get rid of it. But there's a monetary aspect to it. And this is the bit about the video that's dropping two months ago, whenever you listen to this. And it's, it's I just, I literally, I mean, I'm going to spoil the video so you don't have to watch it now. Basically, if you printed 100 comics, basically, it says that, um, you know, a couple are going to get damaged in a box and the printers because I always do. And then, you're going to give a couple of ways to your, you know, your artist collaborator, your colorist collaborator, which you should do. Um, then you're going to send a few out to, you know, like editors. You want to introduce yourself, that kind of thing. Uh, you're going to give one to your mum because your mum's going to be so proud that you've actually got out and made a comic. She's never going to read it. <laughs> show, show all her friends. Exactly. She's 40 and making comics. He's a grown man. Um, and then you know you're going to do some, go to a comic con and you're going to have like the person next to you that you're going to speak to for three days. You're going to get on really well and you're like you're going to swap comics. And so that that twenty comics that you have, uh, sorry, those um, hundred comics you have, you're probably going to lose about twenty. And just by like losing that twenty, and if you're actually going to lose around like sixty percent of your profit mm. because the margins are so small. And that's what tomorrow's video is about. It's like look. I'll take it. I'm grateful. But you know what? Send me a PDF and actually sell that comic and actually try and scrape some of that money back that you've actually spent on making that comic. So it's, it's you know, that, that's what the, the video is, is because I'm not, there's a lot of other aspects too. Like I, I made a comic that people actually realise there's so many different questions. So that's that's the whole idea of the channel. But it's right because I think there is this perception that as soon as someone's in it, as soon as someone's doing it, they have the secret. They have the secret key to unlock the door. And they're like, oh, you you have the key. Here is my, put this through the door. But I think what your YouTube channel is showing is not as easy. Anyone can do it, but you have to know what you're getting yourself into. It's a, at the end of the day, it's a craft. Anyone can make a comic. Like me and you could sit down right now, like we could say, do you know what, this, this, you know, back and forth for an idea. Like we could sit here in a couple of hours, we could write a script between us. Right now, we could do that right now. But there, 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 there is a way to do it. There's a correct way and a wrong way. And the problem people have when they make their first comic, and I, again, I am guilty of this myself because I was younger and naive. You think as soon as you make your first comic, you're going to submit it to someone like Image and that velvet rope's going to open and go, where have you been? We've been looking for you. No, it's not like that at all. You know, most people's first comics are not good, 
And I'm I am not poo-pooing on people's first comments because again, I'm very, very guilty of this myself. But like you don't know what you're doing when you first start. And again, I, I'm guilty of this, and that's why I always tell people to start small with like four page stories because a four page story will teach you to do a beginning, middle, and end. Because you've got four pages. Like you need to start that story and you need to end that story. And you need to have like either a twist or you know a midpoint, you know, to push that story on, and there needs to be a conclusion. Because if you can master that, you know, do 10 of them, you know, work it out, you can write a comic. Because every comic you read, you know, there's scenes. Each comic's made of like five or six scenes, and they're usually like four or five pages. So if you can master writing a story, which is a scene, Mm. you can write a comic. Because all you're doing is you're putting that overall story into its smaller chunks, and then you're putting it together. And you do it because what tends to happen is people go, do you know what? I'm going to write my first comic. I've got a great idea. It's going to be, you know, a 40-page comic. And this happens. And they write it. You know, they find an artist to work with them on it. They blow their entire budget on a comic. And it's not plotted correctly. The pacing's off. The dialogue's not good. You know, all these little things that you learn over time. You know, no one, like, I would not get up the morning of the London Marathon and think that I could compete with Mo Farah or any, or any of the people that have actually been training for the event because mm. I'm fat <laughs> and I'm unfit. So there's like no way that I'd think like, do you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do it and I'm going to be as good as the people that are competing or like, oh, like do this as a hobby regularly because they put the, the hours in, you know, I mean, I know the 10,000 hour, you know, Malcolm Gladwell rule is, you know, up for debate. You know, some people like are born with natural ability, but I truly believe you, you put the time in to learn the craft. It's like, do you know what? I have never tried to play the piano ever. You know, I could learn to play the piano. You know, you give me enough time, you know, I will get you, you know, a tune out of the piano. I'll learn the keys. I'll learn some, I'll learn some basic songs. I'm never going to be a master it, but I could still learn it. It's like, it's like coloring comics. I'm not a great comic colorist, but I'm teaching myself. I'm not the greatest letterer, but I taught myself. And my first lettering was really, really bad, but I've got better over time. And now I save a fortune by not having to pay for like colorists and letters because I tend to like do that stuff in-house. So like it's 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 all about learning and learning takes time. You know, some people will, you know, one in a thousand people will have that, you know, that X factor where they go, do you know what? I can turn my hand to anything. You give me a you give me an idea and I can write your script. Boom. And it's perfect. But not everyone's like that. Well, I know I'm not like that. So I have to work hard at the craft. I had to work hard at the craft. You know, it's taken me like 10 years to go, do you know what? I've got my plot. I can write your script in a couple of days. That's taken me 10 years to get there. You know, and if people, if people watch the chat, you know, they can do it in five because they're going to miss all the idiot mistakes that I've made. Because as we've clearly said on this channel, I'm an idiot. You know, so don't fall into the same mistakes I did. So, yeah. You say it you, you took you 10 years and people can sort of expect that. And if they watch your channel, they can cut that down. But also, you are very prolific. So you've probably cut that down yourself because you you write like a madman. You have written a lot of stuff in that amount of time. See, like, you say I'm prolific. And I, again, I'm thank you very much for the compliment. I really do appreciate it. But... I did a video. I actually did a video about this a couple of weeks. You're obviously not up to date, Paul, about how I made 25 <laughs> comics. And when people sound prolific, I again, again, I'm very appreciative of the compliments, and I get that compliment a lot. But what you're not seeing is you're not seeing 
the whole picture. You're seeing a tip of the tip of the iceberg is the base what I'm saying. Mm. You ever see those pictures of like, you know, the iceberg, you know, but the, the tip of it, you know, sticking out the water, then under the sea, you see this massive iceberg that you know that you, you can't see because you're on top, you're, you know, you're sailing towards it. And that's what has happened to me. All the comics you are seeing now, I wrote like two or three years ago. And it's taken that much time for them to come to the channel because the artists are working with, you know, they're like, you know, they're they're doing an amazing job, but they're working it around, you know, their their full-time jobs, you know, better paying gigs, that kind of thing. So the reason why I appear to be prolific is purely because it's like the wheels of a machine. It's like there's there's so much going on. Like I'm not thinking about the comics I'm putting out this year. I'm thinking about the comics I'm putting out in two years' time. They're the ones I'm writing now. So I've, I put the effort in before, and now it's coming at nest. But so, and that's one of the things when I when I do a comic on, you know, people go, "Oh, Matt, have you got the next issue of that?" I'm like, no, because you know these comics take like a year, eighteen months usually to come out. But I've got two new comics, and because they know me and they've bought my comics before and they like the stuff that I've done, they buy that, and that's how I've been growing my readership. It's it's it, it's patience. It's patience, and people have to play the long game. You can't expect that you're going to write your first comic. And you're going to become a superstar. Kind of doesn't work like that. Again, it, it does for like certain people, but you kind of need to put that out of your head and think you're going to be that person. You're like you, you need to like kind of think. Do you know what? It's a craft. It's like you know carpentry, like learning a musical instrument. You know, learning to run a marathon. You're not going to be able to do it on day one. You know, it's going to take you time, effort, and patience. And that's what it is. And that's what people lack when they want to make comics. Hmm. So, what was it that made you? take the the jump at the beginning to sort of say this is something that I want to do this is something that I want to lend nearly all my spare time to yeah I love to say nearly all my spare time yeah because I started a YouTube channel how much of an idiot am I um do you know what it, I mean like, like I'm 40 now like I turned 40 like a couple of months ago um I've read comics since I was 10 years old so that's like 75 percent of my life has been comics you know it's a comic shop you know I've got like 14 long boxes in the loft above me. You know, like these, I mean, if you can't see it on the channel, but like there's like a whole shelf behind me just like full of comics. I love comics. I've always been obsessed with comics. And I think every comic reader pretty much has a story in their head. Like, like you can think, well, if I could write, even if it's like a, um, for like a Marvel character, a DC character, you think, oh, I've got that story. I've got that one story I'd like to write. And I had an idea for a story and I thought, don't know what I'm doing, but do you know what? I'm just going to do it. And I was so scared, like like beyond scared. Like my my now wife, you know, she didn't know what I was doing. She's like, "What are you doing on your laptop all the time?" And like nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. And then like a few months later, I was like, "I made this," and like she was so supportive and so proud of me, and she was so encouraging. And I used to belong to like Mark Miller's forum on Millerwood, and I posted the comic on there and the you know the, the people on there were so you know supportive so like man this is actually really funny you should do more and it kind of spurred me on to actually make comics and I think that's what I'm trying to pay forward now with the channel and the Twitter and stuff like that it's like I think everyone kind of needs a little bit of encouragement because you everyone has that fear inside of them and it's it's hard do you know what I mean it's when you make your first comic like you're kind of putting your heart and soul into a comic and you're worried that people are not going to like it. You're worried that people are going to laugh at you. Like, again, it's it's easier now than it was 10 years ago. And in 10 years' time, it's going to be a breeze because, you know, it's, it's going to be part of the norm. But anything you do outside of, you know, 
playing a sport or you know what what society thinks is normal in inverted commas like they you worry that people are going to laugh at you for doing something creative you are oh i'm learning to paint <laughs> you're learning to paint <laughs> you know it's, it's i'm going to direct a film <laughs> you can't even direct traffic you know it's, we we have that fear installed to us when we you know when we when we're young and it, i don't think it ever goes away so i think you know i just got so i've got like 27 28 like you know what i just it was a 10-page story. I thought it was really fun. It made me laugh, and I wanted to do it. And it was terrible, and I still love it. And I'm glad I did it because now I've made 25 comics. Is that kind of the secret that for being an artistic person is, first of all, just don't try and please anyone else. Just do what you want to do. You need to please yourself. Like, I, I, I'm a very <laughs> I'm a selfish writer. Um, I, I write the comics that I would want to see. I would want to buy. Like I write the, write the stories. Like do you know what? If I saw it in a comic shop, it speaks to me because why would you want to do it? I know rather than you know writing for what pe- I think people want, it's like it's what I want because these are these are my ideas. And it, you know, so if I'm not behind it, how can I expect anyone else to be behind it? And I think I had um, PJ Holden on my channel a couple of months ago, about a year ago now, who's like a lovely guy, you know, two thousand eight artist, and, and actually started writing himself now. And his advice for, you know, like for building your readership and stuff like that was literally find your community hmm. and they will carry you. Not, not carry in a sense like, oh, we're carrying, but like they will support you. And I think that's a big part of it. Like, I think if you, when you write a comic, I think you need to realize that you're probably not the only person that enjoys that type of story or that character or that protagonist or that villain that you've written. You know, like, my, like my new comic is like a horror west, which is like it's a horror western. So it's like that's going to appeal to not people that like superheroes, but there's going to be an audience there for it somewhere, and you just need to find that audience. So you need to like join forums and Twitter. Like I posted um, like the cover, like it's coming soon to Kickstarter, that kind of thing. I had a guy never like some of those re- like loads of people retweet and stuff, which is great. Some guy who's a writer that I've never re- uh, never met before likes weird western stuff and he's like well i'm down for that like there's always an audience there is yeah. always an audience. you know like you look at all the films that come out every week or every month or every year you know at cinema like they're appealing to like different audience members every now and then like you may go watch a film that you didn't expect that was really really good but like everyone has those so there is a community and there is people out there that want the stories that you can create i can't think of a comic Let's see, it's like really nasty and horrible. I can't see why people would not want to buy it or like enjoy it, if that makes sense. Mm. Even then, there's probably some weirdos out in the wood. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, even the worst of them, some someone will buy it. Someone will be interested in it. Yeah, so that, that, that's what I do. And I, I don't, I try not to, I'm not trying to appeal to the masses, but I, I'm just trying to people that like comics. You know, I just like, I think my stories are very easy to read. You know, I, I try not to overthink them. You know, people have, like, read a lot of stuff into it. Oh, did this mean this? I'm like, you tell me. I just thought it was cool. I just, <laughs> you can do it. You can say it yeah, however you want. <laughs> if it means something to you, it means something to you. To me, I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Or I thought, you know, that would look really cool visually. But, yeah, no. There's, like, there's very little, under, you know, between the lines stuff in my comics. I just thought it was fun. Comics should be fun. That's the point. Comics should be fun. Yeah, because you, the sort of things you've written, you haven't boxed yourself into a corner. 
you're quite happy to explore different things. And as you say, if you find it interesting, you'll give it a go, which I think people are afraid to do. And a lot, a lot of stuff I write is, I don't want to say it's from frustration. It's like, I, I, like I'm very, very aware that I'll probably never work for the big two. And I'm absolutely fine with that. I have no qualms of that. When I see like peers and stuff, like they, they you know, they get their shot. I am more than happy for them. Like, I'm like, yes, brilliant. Proud of you. I'm, I'm right behind you. I'll buy your books. I'll support you. That kind of thing. And a lot of the books that I, I've started writing are it's frustration, but there's like an idea that I will have like a mainstream character. And I think, well, I'm never going to work for the big two. So why don't I just tweak it a little and change it and then make it a creator? But like, um, pray for us, you know, like I'm probably the only person on this planet that loves Prometheus. I think it's an amazing film. I never grew up watching the alien film, so I don't have that like, oh, no, it's not. I don't, no, I love it. You know, you take that xenomorph out in the last like three or four minutes of that film. I think it's a great horror film. I think it's fantastic. And my wife and I, when it came out, we went to see Alien Covenant, which didn't actually mind. It's not a masterpiece. You know, it's not going to be remembered in 50 years' time as Ridley Scott's greatest film. But I was watching it, I was like, uh, they're basically trying to, you know, undo all the stuff that they've done in the first one, which is kind of sad because they were kind of doing something new, and I really like that. And I thought, you know what, if I was going to do an Alien book or a Predator book, this is how I would do it. And I had an idea, and I was like, well, that's pray for us. Because I figured, like, I'm, at, that, at that time, I think Dark Horse had, still had the, the the rights to the Alien and Predator properties. And I was like, why why don't I just change the creature? doesn't need to be a xenomorph or a predator it could be whatever creature we, like we want it to be and then it's like it's mine and sausage you know it's our creation now um the cage that i put out towards the end of last year you know that was an idea that i had for a punisher comic i was like uh, uh, never gonna get to write a punisher I was like just tweak it make it a super the idea was i wanted to write a really cheesy cheesy like just like um a beam a z-list super villain comic because like you, you see all these super villains, you know they get like the dot, you know uh, stilt man. They always get like the crap kicked out of them by like, people like Daredevil, Spider-Man. and then like you don't see them for like five years, and then they'll pop up again. It's like I want to know what happens when they go to prison. That's what that, to me that's the interesting story. Villains are more fun to write than heroes, undoubtedly. You know, like there's a reason why all the great actors love playing the villains in, in films. It's because like. You know, villains have rules. Sorry, heroes have rules that they have to stick by. Villains like kind of go off on their own bit. So it's like, so that's where the cage came from. I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to change it from like the Punisher to like a villain, and then that's it. And it's like a super villain prison drama. And you know, even the one I'm doing now, I'm doing one called um, "I Took a Hammer to Hell," and it's an idea that I had for a Ghost Rider story. Because um, one of my favourite comics is um, Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe, which is such a weird comic if you've never read it. And it's like uh, Garth Ennis and Doug Braithwaite and a lot of other like Incas and stuff like that working on the book. And it's about like it's like a what if story where you know the Punisher's family get killed by not the actual mafia but like super villains and superheroes in the park having a battle. So the Punisher goes around and wipes out the wipes out all the super uh, superheroes. So they kills like Captain America, Wolverine, Spider-Man, that kind of thing. It, it's over the top. It's crazy. And they've done it a few times with a few other characters like Deadpool kills the, you know, the um, the Marvel Universe. And I had an idea of doing Ghost Rider. Instead of like killing the Marvel Universe, like actually going into hell, going through like the nine stages of hell and just killing all the villains down there, like making his way to the devil. 
And I was like, I love this idea, but like, I'm never going to work for Marvel. So why am I holding on to it? Yeah. So I thought, you know what? Why don't I just make it a regular guy that, you know, goes to hell for reasons that I'm not going to spoil. And he's like, I'm going to shove this massive hammer up the devil's ass. Why? Well, I'm there for eternity. What else have I got to do? Like, I don't deserve to be here. Like, I'm, I'm damned because I, I, made, I had to make a decision. So, like, I'm going to – I want my revenge. And that's it. It's like it's John Wick in hell. That's basically what it is. It's like, yeah, well, it doesn't have to, doesn't have to be girlfriend. And I think that's what people – and I said, like, just do your own stories. Mm. So much fun. You can do anything you want with your own characters. And don't get me wrong, I love Marvel. I love DC. Like, I've been reading for 30 years. The problem is, like, you ever get to write them. Like, there's only certain things you can do with those characters because you're not dealing with a character that's worth millions. You're dealing with a character that's worth billions. So, you know, there's only certain things you can do. Yeah. But if it's your own character, you can do whatever you like. Yeah. Unless you're going to be making comics. Mm. Yeah, unless you're one of those select names that they can be like, okay, we can trust you to do the crazy stuff on your own little thing because we know it will sell really well. Yeah, as you say, as soon as you join that, it's you have to step within these lines because this is what we want to do. It's kind of like if you look at DC, like, like you know, they, they, they oh, it breaks my heart that they got rid of it, but they got rid of like the, um, uh, the Virgo line. Yeah. And then uh, what did they have before that? Years and years ago, they used to have the Elseworlds titles. So they were like mm. stories that were written with the characters as like, you know, like, so you're like Batman is bringing that and that kind of thing. And now they've got like Black Label, which is pretty much that. It's like, do you know what? I'm going to get a great crowd. I'm going to get like a Jeff Lemire. I'm going to get a Brian Azzarello. And we're going to do stuff that's not in canon. And like, you know, you just do your own what if story. And that's that to me, that appeals to me more than writing stuff that's monthly generic stuff because I'm, I'm going to go on a massive tangent here. You know, let's be honest. Like I, I absolutely love comics as a kid, like 14 long boxes out there, but the majority of comics that come out every month, they're not awesome, but they're good. And everyone's comics, like, like what well, every comic is someone's first comic, but you know, there's very few comics that come out in a year that are going to stand the test of time. I've got comics upstairs that, you know, like I read when I was 10 that I thought were awesome. And if I read them, I'm like, what on earth did I like? And that, that, the problem with like Marvel and DC is like, and it's, it's not even a problem. It's like, it's just the way the industry is. It's like the artists and the craze and the editors feel so not sorry for them, but like they're under like such a amount of pressure just to put books out, put books out, like hit the deadlines, hit the deadlines, hit the deadlines. And it's like, like you can't write a Dark Knight's Returns every single month. You are not going to get that epic book that's going to sit in the top ten of the comics every month. And I think that's what people forget is like, you know, you're going to get books every year that are really going to like go, oh, best book of the year kind of thing. But the majority of books, you know, they get read and then they get stored away, and people tend to forget about them. There's very few that you know really like resonate with people on a certain level that's going to be like an instant classic or a cult classic that's built up over time and that i think that's really hard for people to get their heads around because a lot of people think oh comics are really really bad now it's like no comics have always been bad and i'm not saying bad as like being horrible because again i love them 30 years in you know i'll still buy them too you know like when the last there's a choice between like sandwich and a comic and i'm, <laughs> I'm gonna start there 
I'm still going to buy the comic <laughs> because I want to know what happens, you yeah. know. But it, it, and then that's what I think people tend to forget, like, oh, because of this person writing the book, it's not, it's not a great comic. It's like, no, it's not because of that. It's because the majority of comics are not Dark Knight Returns, or you know, it, well, you think you'll see like every five years you will have like a great book that really you know stands out, and they're the books that will live on forever. The rest of them, you know, they're great to read, they're great to enjoy, and even if you don't enjoy them. Just bag them on board and move on to the next one. It's like Daredevil. Daredevil's all, it's always been my favourite comic. It's been the first book I picked up and it'll be the last book I ever buy. I've loved it for 30 years. You know, have I loved every run of it? No. But I've still supported it. You know, but there are certain runs that I hold, you know, a, a very fond appreciation for, you know. But it's, it's one of the things. Until, you know, like the Marvel Knights and, you know, Kevin Smith, you know, Jimmy Palmiotti and um, Joe Casada took over, Daredevil in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, Daredevil was about to be cancelled. It wasn't doing great. You know, it was like, a, it was a B, he was a B list character. And now he, he got like a Netflix series. So that just shows you, you know, like not every comic has been great. And I think that's what people fail to understand. Be nice, people. <laughs> not bad. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of them out there. So let's dive a bit deeper into into you and your love of geek culture then. So do you remember the first sort of experience you had with loving something in geek culture? Uh, oh, um, probably uh, the 66 Batman series. But there was a Saturday morning TV show called Whack-A-Day with Timmy Mallet on ITV or wherever it was back then. And they used to show reruns of the 66 Batman and it was fantastic. Absolutely loved it. Loved the character. And as you think that's a lot of people's first introduction to geek culture. A little bit older, you may have got the animated series, that kind of thing. But I remember loving that. Um, I remember loving the first Superman film. Oh, yeah. I wasn't old enough to see when it came out, but you'd always see it on TV. Uh, trying to think what else was that. Um, yeah, it's just, it was just, oh, the Incredible Hulk TV series. Lou Ferrigno. It's hilarious. Bill Bixby. Yeah, just like, like really, like people are holding greatest things and they weren't good shows. <laughs> you can like watch them. They are not good shows. <laughs> but we love them. It's like, do you know what it is? It's like when people like go, oh, like the last night, you know, uh, Superman's not good. So, dude, I was born in the 80s. I remember a Captain America film where he had rubber ears. And I'm not talking about like the wings on his, on, on his mask. There's a really cheesy 90s Captain America film where the Red Skull was actually Italian, not even German. <laughs> where um, Seriously, like, you're going to Google it after this, right? And Captain America, like, when he had his mask on, he had rubber ears. Instead of his place, of cutting out ear holes. And I loved it. I loved it. Captain America. And, you know, so when people moan about, like, the films now, I'm like, that's what we had. You know, I, I remember, like, the, the... I don't even want to say bad because I still love them. It's like you say, like, I'm happy we live in such a world. Like, like I haven't... I have still haven't seen it yet, but, like, we've got an Eternals film. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, this is the other thing. People, like, talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I love. You know, I, I literally just watched the new Spider-Man film, like, two nights ago. I still loved it. A few issues with it, but that's fine. 
But what people don't know is, like, in the 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, like, Marvel, like, was going broke. So, like, they sold, like, the film and TV rights all their characters away. So there's a reason why, like, the first films you got from the Marvel Cinematic Universe was Iron Man. Because no one cared for Iron Man. It's like, what are we doing? We were just scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like, no one, like, like, we've got like a, a billionaire arms dealer that's an alcoholic and a womanizer. What can we do with that? Like, we'll, do you know what? Let's get Robert Daddy Jr. We'll make it on the fly. Like, we'll stick some money behind it. You know, if it fails, it fails. But like, if it works, it's going to work. You know, like, and then we've got like Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, honestly, like, if you want to listen to this right now, had you heard of Guardians of the Galaxy before you saw that film? And it's like it, it boggles my mind. It's like it's like so like it's like even like, they've put out what it's been going for um 10, 15 years now, where it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, they're not gonna hit a home run at every film they do. The fact that they're doing it is awesome. It's like we did a Venom film. Like we're two, but I've still seen the second one. Like the Venom film is not a good film. Like I, I like I'll happily admit that. Like it, it's not. It's like it's very cliche. It's very cheesy. It's very you know pretty cool. But Tom Hardy, he's brilliant in that film. I will happily like you said to me like Matt like like we're watching Venom tonight. And I'm like absolutely. Like Tom Hardy is brilliant. Like there's one scene in the restaurant where like he eats a lobster. I will happily watch that film just for that scene. Because he's brilliant. Like, spoilers if you've not seen the new Superman, uh, sorry, new Spider-Man film. Like, spoilers, 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 fire for three, two, one. So basically, at the end of the film, end credits, like, you've got uh, Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock being brought into, like, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, sitting at a bar, drunk. And him and Venom are having an argument. And, like, he's asking the barman about all the stuff that's happened. And I was like, yes, fantastic. Like, how fortunate are we to live in a world like we get to see, like, only, like, two dodgy Venom films? It was like, Tom Hardy is, like, one of the best actors in the world portraying Eddie Brock. It's like, no. Like, like these characters, these, these film companies could never make a bad film in my eyes. <laughs> so. so what was it about those early films then? Because, I mean, as you very kindly described them as great but bad what was it about them that grabbed you then you know what it it, it it was characters that were bigger than life always and they always had a great moral compass which i still hold to this day is like you know you always stand up for yourself you always stand up for people that can't stand up for themselves and you protect people and you know like like the original like six, six Batman show like was so cheesy and it was so over the top and so colourful, and it was comedy violence. It was brilliant. Like like it's it's like lightning in a bottle. It really is. Like and then you know you get to like like the eighty nine Batman with Michael Keaton and it was huge. Like it one of, one of the biggest heartbreaking moments of my life is I couldn't see it at the cinema. I was too young. It was it was the first film in the UK that was a twelve. That, like there was no twelve rated in the UK. So in America, you could see it if you had another with you. In the UK, you could not see it. Like that was it. And I was eight, nine. I was eight, and I was heartbroken. I had to see it on pirate, <laughs> like like a dodgy VHS that was passed around the pub to watch it, and it was horrible condition. 
And like, I had to wait, like, even had to wait six months after it. And it's like, but even though I couldn't go to sit, I was still that one kid at school that had the Batman sign shaved into the back of his head when the film came out. Come on. Like, that, that, if that's not worth a subscribe to my YouTube channel just for that one <laughs> nugget of information, I don't know what it is. It's like, this kid loved comics so much. There was a film he wasn't cold enough to see that he wanted to see that everyone like got to see apart from him. But he loved it so much, he still got involved and had the bat symbol shaved into the back of his little face. <laughs> Even that geek kid that collects comics, <laughs> he didn't want to know me after that. <laughs> when did you make the jump to, um, to comic books then? Having seen all those early things, when and why did you jump to comics? Couldn't read. It's as simple as that. Could not read. Um, had special lessons at school, probably because I was lazy um, or dyslexic or something. You know, something something wasn't right. I could I could not read. I struggled a lot. Um, special lessons weren't helping. And then one day, one of the teachers like just gave me a comic. It was like, oh, I like this. I like this. And then during the eighties. Parenting was very, very different. You know, mum would go off the work the weekend and dad would take you to the pub. That, that, that was that was parenting. But kids were never allowed in the pub. Come, you know, spring, summer, winter, kids were never allowed in that pub. So you had to play out with the other feral kids outside the pub. And next door to the pub, there was a sweet shop. And that's where you got your drinks. You got a can of Coke. You weren't allowed to get a glass of Coke at the pub. You had to get a can of Coke. Every three hours, you was allowed a can of Coke. And then um, I went in there to get my can of Coke, to, which we never drunk, by the way. We used to shake up and then just throw on the ground and just watch it explode. That, that, that's it. It's like, so I'm, I'm dehydrated, no sugar. Um, and I remember going into the sweet shop next door. It's not there anymore, unfortunately. Otherwise, I'd love to go back and like, just go, oh, I bought my first comic here. Um, there was a Daredevil comic in there. And um still remember the cover. It's... Spider-Man is about to be stabbed by a, a lady dressed in an army uniform and Daredevil was like leaping to his rescue. And I'm like, I need to know what happens. Like, I, I need to know. I need to know. Begged my dad to buy it. Begged him. And he's like, no. So on the Sunday, like, had some money in my piggy bank, whatever it was, you know, I stole, I stole my money in. Snuck around, like, Eight years old, sneaking out of the house to walk like half a mile away to a sweet shop. My parents, where were my parents? <laughs> and I went to that sweet shop and I bought that comic and I was like, wow. And this is the problem. It's different. I sound like such a miserable old sub, right? Because in those days, if like it was a sweet shop, it was the comic shop. So you did not know if that sweet shop was ever going to get part of that story. It was like a two part. So I did not know what happened like, till like, like a year later, and that was, and that's why we live in such a rich age. And that's what annoys me about people when they say, "I don't like digital comics." So, no, you need to love digital comics because we used to buy a comic either like in a long box or from a sweet shop, and you didn't know, didn't know what happened. Now you can buy that next issue straight away. You've got instant gratification. You can find that out. We never had that. And then literally, like the sweet shop had a couple other comics, had like a, um, a Dan Abner Punisher comic in there as well which I got which I later swapped for a Daredevil comic Daredevil's my man um, and yeah and then um, my teacher told me that there was a comic shop in Chadwell Heath and again bad parenting I'm like nine years old I'm like walking two miles to where I think there was no Google <laughs> where I think a comic shop 
might be. And then I found it and I was like, brilliant. So every Saturday I used to get up and I used to, I used to get there before it opened. Wow. Like it used to open at 10 and I used to leave like at nine o'clock. And I used to make like walk 45 minutes to this comic shop and wait outside for the guy to open. And I used to go in, I used to go for the look. It was really weird back then. Like I was, uh, I was an idiot and like still an idiot now, but I didn't know how much like the new comics would be on the shelf because it's all in dollars. But like, there was no like conversion tape, like, oh, this is like so like I was like, oh, do you know what? I've got like a couple quick pocket money. Just raided a lot of boxes. So like, you know, I did um I, I did Valwood, like the and the Senti and um um uh, John Romita Jr. Daredevil run. It's like, yeah, get that one, get that one, get that one, get that one. And then like you move on to the next box. So like like oh like four or five copies, like 50p each, 50p. Those were the days, and yeah, no. So like, that, then that's just how the obsession started, and like, it's never, never stopped. Yeah, it was quite quick then for you then, when uh, reading the first couple, and then that was it. Cook it to my veins. <laughs> yeah, the first taste is free. <laughs> no, but you know what it is. I think I think when you when you're a kid, I think you, you latch onto something, and you kind of never let go. It's like it never changed. Like. I'm still like the 13-year-old matched in a very old decaying body. <laughs> like, I, like I still like what I liked then, mm. you know, and, and uh, for me it's wonderful. It's like, oh, okay, like comics are crap now. Like, no, they're not. They're awesome. Like everyone's like, like well, we talked about it, like, like not everyone's going to be like amazing. It's like, love it. It's great. You know, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I get to read stories, like these over-the-top stories with like these over the top characters fighting these over the top villains. It's, it's just amazing. It really is. You tell I'm passionate. Is that coming across? A, a little bit. You can get sort of slight hints of it. It's if you read between should, the lines. Should I, should, I, should, I, should I up it a little bit? Just so oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but no, do you know what it is? It's like, comics has always been a passion. It's, it's something that I love. And I think everyone should try and make a comic. You know, even if you know, like you're you're only a writer, try and draw a comic just so you know what like the artists go through to, to bring the story to life. Because it's it's amazing to do it, but I don't think people realise the amount of work that goes into it. Fun though, bloody fun. So what got you into it? Let's turn let's turn the camera let's turn the camera on Paul. Let's turn oh. the microscope on Paul. <laughs> So what Friend. got you into comics, Paul? How did we get to this moment today when you're interviewing the legend that is me? The legendary. Um, well, as a kid, um, I was always reading the Beano, Asterix, all the usual things, but it didn't really go past that. But then in the last few years, a friend of mine, um, Steve Ray, um, Fantastic Universes, Dark Knight News, DC Comic News, CBR, he does it. He's got too much spare time and no spare time at the same time. He is, he calls himself the nerd Yoda because he has been into comic books forever and he reads everything and he somehow retains all that knowledge. Has he read my stuff? Has he read my stuff? He probably has. So yeah, it's his fault. Um, what, did, what, did he, what, did he what did he introduce you to? Well, he's a Batman guy. He is definitely a Batman guy. I mean, he, he basically is Batman at this point. Um, and what did it? What comic did it give you to read first? Then? I can't. I think it was just lots of random single issues. But the thing with him is, it's his passion. 
because you could talk to him for five minutes and within 30 seconds, he's probably got you talking about comic books and then you're there for the next two hours. Um, and it's just infectious more than anything. So yeah, that's, that's what got it got me because that passion is passion is contagious. Like you said, you're passionate about it, but that is contagious that comes off. And that's probably why, you know, people like your YouTube channel because people like passion. Loosely, like <laughs> <laughs> so they, they like the channel. They like it. That's all right. They like. Yeah, they'll they'll make do with it. No, they do. People watch you. <laughs> I mean, they give up their spare time. They for mock you. me. They they, they <laughs> mock me. Do you, do you know what? There's one person like there's sorry, there's one or two people like it doesn't matter whatever video that I do, I always get like two thumbs down. Oh, it's really? hilarious. I'll get like fifty thumbs up. And there's like. There's like one or two people, and I know who they are. Yeah, I know. I know. No, I don't really. <laughs> you are coming for them. That's no. Um, <laughs> but no, that's cool that he got you back into it. So it's been like a good couple of years, and you've just been comics ever since. Yeah, kind of dipping my, my toes and my fingers into all sorts of different things and trying out. And I think the podcasting helps because I've got to know a lot of people from the Comics in Motion group. Um, and all their different podcasts and they have all sorts of different interests and talking to lots of different people. And I kind of, I've read little bits of so many different things now. So at some point I might sort of find my, my guy, but it hasn't happened yet, but I just love all of it. You mean, you mean, you mean like your character, like yeah. your one character. It's like, I don't you know. That's, that's my guy. Okay. Well, what, what, um, it, do you know, it's hard from the big two because, a lot of the characters have been around for like, you know, 80, 90 years at this point. So it's, it's hard to judge. See, this is the point. Like, I don't mind a reboot. Like, a, a, like even for me, like someone that's 30 years, I love a reboot because there's characters that I've always wanted to read, but like there's so much history that it's it's hard to, you know, to jump in because you, you kind of think you're going to be lost into the story. So like, I, I love a reboot. So let's try and find you a guy or a character. So what kind of stories do you like? Lately, I've been moving away from the superhero stuff and more into. <laughs> I, I recorded with Tony Farino on Indie Comic Spotlight. We did Cowboy Ninja Viking. I don't know if you've read that. Favorite book? No way. <laughs> Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> we, Favorite I don't book. know Favorite if you love it. I don't know if you'll right, like the conversation we had about it, to be fair. It's, oh, did you hate the book? I didn't hate <laughs> it. The first time I read it, I was reading it sort of an issue at a time, a week apart, and my brain just wasn't getting it. And then the second time I read it, I just sat and read it the whole way through. And then, then I started to like it. I think if I read, it's one of those, I think if I read it three or four times, I would love it. But there's just so much going on. It's crazy. It's absolute bonkers. You know, it, it, it's and it's hard to get your head around what's happening with the characters because they're triplets. For those people that are listening and don't read, uh, haven't read it, basically all the characters used to belong to an agency, like a, a covert agency, and every character um, has split personalities. So, so, like the main character Duncan has a cowboy, a ninja, and a Viking living in his head, as well as his own personality, Duncan, and 
like they're having conversations. So it's very hard to get your head around. It's it's a, it can be a little bit overwhelming, but the action is very good. It's quite comical and stuff like that. And it kind of ends, but doesn't end, which I, it's a little bit infuriating. But for some reason, it really resonates with me. It's got great energy, and like you said, like you need to reread it um, because because it's very very good. Um, if I was going to recommend a comic to you. Oh, what would I, I mean, you didn't ask me to recommend, I'm going to recommend one anyway to you. Go for it. Do you you, you prefer reading physical comics or digital comics? Uh, I'm more digital comics because I think my wife would scream at me. (laughs) No, do do you know what? I've got a two-year-old. The fact that, you know, there is a, uh, able to read digital comics, it's hilarious. You know, it it makes, it makes it so much easier. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Ah, See, like all my comics are never too far away. Okay, um, it came out from DC in the nineties, um, um, but then it was republished with Dark Horse, and it, you can get, you can only get it digitally now. And it's a comic called Ma- Major Bummer, and it is, yeah, it's um, so ahead of its time. It's 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 hilarious. It's written and drawn by the creators of The Mask. And I'm not talking. It's the same as like the Jim, the Jim Carrey mask, but um, but like the comic version, which is very, very different from the uh, the actual film. And it's about a kid called Martin Lewis um, that's given superpowers by aliens. But not not going to spoil it. But the aliens are teenagers, and they are performing experiments for their high school on Earth by giving people superpowers and, and villains superpowers. And he, he, he's mistakenly given them. They, they give it to Martin Lewis, but there's actually, he's Lewis Martin, and he's actually meant to go to Martin Lewis. who And Martin Lewis is this like big strapping guy, you know, a lawyer, you know, like a do-gooder. And Lewis, who gets it, is a slacker that just loves sitting around playing computer games. So he's like, like the most reluctant superhero ever. And the problem is he's danger is drawn to him now because he's got this gift that he's been given. And it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. It was written in the 90s. Like if it came out now, it would be like people would absolutely flip over it. And you're like, there's like a Nazi T-Rex in it. <laughs> if that doesn't sell the book to you that there's a Nazi T-Rex. I don't know what we're, it's just it's bonkers. Like if you hate it, <laughs> not my fault. But no, it, <laughs> it, it, it's really, really good. So no, it's okay. There's a there's a there's a few books like that. That's a, that's what I was saying about earlier. Like not every comic is going to be amazing. Like that book I read twenty years ago, and I still love it, and it still resonates with me. Whereas I got like fourteen boxes upstairs that you know there's comics in them like throw away, but it's like. You read and you move on. You read and you move on. But there's certain ones that will stay with you for the length of time. And that is one that stayed with me. Uh, I recommend it to everyone. Cowboy Ninja Viking, and I read that. If people don't want superheroes, they're the two books mm. I recommend. Yeah, I think we're we're in a good age where people are feeling more free to move away from the superhero formula and indie publishers and the ability to, like yourself, do the comics yourself. I think that's helping massively, and I think that will help make comics more mainstream. Maybe absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think it's. 
I'm going to do a video about this in a couple of weeks, so it might be out when this goes live. It's like, you don't need a publisher. And I know that sounds like, oh, my God, you don't need a publisher. Because you really, really don't. Um, like, I, I think creators need to turn around and ask themselves, like, why do they want a publisher? What is the reason for a publisher? What, like, is it a vanity thing that like you've got into a publisher and you've got a logo on a book? Because if it is, that's fine. If that's if that's what you want, you know. Because if you think like Marvel and DC are going to sit up and take notice because you've got, you know, I'm not going to say I have small publisher names. I don't want to, you know, besmirch them. But you know, like just because you've got like a, a publisher to publish it doesn't mean your books any better than people at the Comic Con. Like, you know, like all the people are, you know, in artists that are putting down their books. It just means you, if anything, it just means you've kind of given up half the ownership or like, you know, you've made a deal with them. And I think that's what people don't realise. Like, well, like when you deal with a lot of smaller publishers, not all of them, certain publishers, like, you have to kind of give stuff away with regards to the ownership of that book because they're going to put it out for yourself. Me personally, you know, I, I've had, again, I'm, I'm just speaking from experience, you know, like if other people's, you know, experiences may be different. Like I, I get publishers all the time reach out to me, like, Matt, we'd love to put your book out. You know, can we put your book out? And I, I say to them, yeah, first, first red flag for me is like, if I've got more Twitter followers than them, that's a red flag. And I, I'm not, and that's not me being horrible. It's like, okay, well, I've got a bigger audience anyway. Yeah. And, and, and that's not me being egotistical, but I'll happily take a punt on a smaller publisher that's got a, like a, a, a smaller following me because the, you know they might have a bigger reach, but but for me that's a red flag. And then I always ask them, you know, like how many comics can you sell? And they say, well, like you know, we sell between X and X. Like, well, can you guarantee me like that? And they go, no. I was like, well, I can do that by myself. So why would I need to go through you? Like, it's not gonna, it's not gonna make me millions. And that, and that's the problem. I think people think that oh, they get a publisher, they're gonna break into bigger companies and they're going to make lots of money because like uh, residuals and royalties they get from the book. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's, it's, it's really tricky. And I've walked away. I've even walked away from film deals for my books. Like, like I've had people try to option my comics and wasn't happy with the deal. So I walked away and not like, like I don't talk about it a lot. And it's like, well, like I'm not going to give away the ownership of my book. Well, the book, sorry, not my book, the book that my collaborators and I have worked on, because you may make a film from it. Like, if you can guarantee me this and this and this, then we can work together. But if you want to option it for the lowest fee that you're offering me, which tends to happen with, like, your first foray into, into that kind of thing, and you want X, X and X from me, it's 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 not going to happen. And, and that's the same with, with publishers. It's like, I can... I'm very competent with my ability to sell comics. Like I can go to a comic con, I can do an MCM, I can sell at least 250 comics. And that's not me being egotistical. That's me knowing that I work my butt off to sell those comics. And I do. And I know I've got like, I've got a great support base that always come back and buy my books. No matter what I've got, they'll buy it. Bum, 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 bum. But if a publisher can't do that, the only, the only reason I would work for a publisher is to grow my name. Like, if Marvel and DC came to me, absolutely, I'd love to work with them. You know, if you're listening, I'd love to work with you. Um, I, you know, I've got some ideas. But um, if 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 you're a smaller publisher, like, for, for me, the, the only appeal is, like, if you can help me sell X amount of comics and sell them in the States, because that's the hardest part, is breaking into the States, because it, it's kind of, this, we're, we're at this weird time. I don't know if you know much about comic publishing. And because what used to happen is, if you run a comic shop every month, you'd get like a phone book sized 
book called Previews. And in that, there's a UK side and American side, like, and it's run by Diamond. It was run by Diamond Distribution, who had the monopoly on the comics distribution, and they wanted like 70% of the cover price of every comic. So that shows you how little comic shops make. Though they are the lifeblood industry, and they get squeezed for every penny, and it breaks my heart. But I had a meeting with a chap from uh, one of the guys at Diamond. He said, like, Matt, you can in your comics, you can put straight into the UK side because you're in the UK. Absolutely. Standard deal, have to give us 70% of the, the cover charge, but then you would still have to contact all the comic shops to start the book because they don't know me. I'm not a Marvel, I'm not a DC, I'm not an image. So then they're going to order, like, you know, Strange Matt Comic X or whatever it is. So I'd still have to sell it. And he was like, Matt, just do what you're doing. You're like, contact the comic shops, build your relationship with them. So, so when you do eventually get a Dark Horse book or an image book or whatever, like, you've already built that relationship with those comic shops. If I wanted to get my book into the American side, your book has to go to a committee within Diamond. And then they have to go, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put it in. And then you've still got to ring all the comic shops in the States to, to pick up your book. And this is what people don't realise is the majority of comic shops, if it's not Marvel, DC, Image, sometimes even Dark Horse, they don't stock it. Like, comic shops are very, it's a small bit, it's like, Comic shops are usually like a, a one-person band business. I know there's a few chains and stuff, but they're mom and pop stores. Like, like they make very little. So why would I go for a publisher when I can do it myself? Why would I give a distribution and a publisher? Why would I give a publisher like X amount of ownership of that book and then lose 70% of the cover charge to go through a distributor? When I can make nothing on my own, <laughs> I, I, I don't need you to make nothing. I can ha- I can happily lose money making comics on my own. So, and then again, that's one of the reasons for the channel is like people don't realise it. it's like oh I've got a publisher on it. Velvet rope is now opened. I'm stepping through. It's like no, you did the same for yourself or for a Kickstarter or whatever. Yeah, you you don't need a publisher. You know it. Unless you want to do it for fantasy, it's fine. Or if the publisher can, you know, you know that uh, publisher is going to promote that book. So you're going to sell 30,000 copies, 40,000 copies. Very rarely happens nowadays. Very rarely does a book sell that many from an unknown creator. Like you have to build your, in inverted commas, brand, your name over time with your readership. And then you're going to be more appealing to your publisher. It's as simple as that. See, I'm smarter. I'm smarter than I look. I'm smarter than I look. <laughs> People have said that, you know, especially in America, comic book stores are really on their way out currently. But I didn't realise the situation was that bad. I mean, do you think we're on the verge of the death of physical print comics? Absolutely not. I'm, I, what, what I think will happen, I think um, digital comics is something to embrace same as music you know like when itunes opened everyone thought the music industry was going to die still here it's still here what i I generally think is going to happen is there will be fewer comic shops which is very very sad and that's and that's hard and i do think as as fans we need to circle the wagons support them in any way we can um i think certain things have happened with regards to distribution like i said like 
Diamond used to have the Monopoly, and then people like, uh, I think it's Marvel, that are now using like Penguin Random House to try and show Diamond that they need to go, oh, you can't take 70% anymore. Um, what I think will happen is, again, um, a few a lot of comic shops will close, but I think it's going to become not so much like vinyl, but I think there's going to be less but better quality, if that makes sense. I, I, I think there's always going to be space for comic. And there's a reason why comic shops, and this is what I, what I hate about people like when they'll moan and bitch and moan about comic cons. They'll go, well, everyone's just there for, you know, like, you know, pictures of celebrities or Funkos. It's like, and? Who cares? It's getting people through the door. Like, the last MCM that I did, I mean, they let less people in than usual. You know, but on 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 uh, before COVID, like, an MCM a day would get, like, 120,000 people through that door. On average, I still sell around 250 comics. That means I'm selling to less than 1% of that audience, and I'm still killing it. So why would I care that the majority of those people are buying Funkos? They're geeks. Let them enjoy their Funkos. If that person wants to have a picture with a Doctor Who, let them, because that massive room that you're in, with all that influx of people, is paid for by what they're doing. That audience for your comics is still there. You just need to find it. So they might find the audience. So it's 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 it, it's it. Comics is the most wonderful things to be in and around, but it's so frustrating in the way people think of it. They think of it so narrow-minded with regards to oh, it's, it's art. It's like yeah, I know it's art, but there is a business aspect to it, which I know people don't like to think about because money is evil, but money keeps a roof over your head, keeps food in the bellies of you and your kids. And it's simple as that. And then that's the same with like the comic industry. There probably will be less comic book stores. Um, but I think the quality output will be better. Um, I think more creators will I mean you look at now um uh, a lot of the big creators, I mean I, I, I don't see it lasting, but there's going to be like more fast like Substack and stuff like that where creators will be paid silly amounts of money to go do a book through you know, like a newsletter kind of thing. And then it goes through comicsology and then it goes out through image. There's always going to be a route to market. And it's just finding that next route to market. Damn, I'm smart. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and handsome too. No, but do you know what it is? And, and I think that's what it is. You know, everyone, everyone's obsessed with, you know, the negatives. And it's like, you need to kind of think what the next fad, but like the next way to penetrate the market's going to be you know and, and that's one of the reasons why one of the, let's, let's be honest it's one of the reasons like i'm doing the youtube channel because i want to help people but the more people that know me the more people that can support me so like i'm my, my intentions are very unselfish of why i'm doing it but the end result will hopefully benefit me anyway that i'm doing that, that i'm doing unintentionally if that makes sense so you know what do I know? I'm an idiot. <laughs> Looking idiot, but an idiot. No, I think it's right that, you know, you are putting all your time into helping people. And people may cynically go, oh, yeah, but he's only doing it to build his audience. But yes, of course. But also, what's the problem with helping people along the way? You know, there are so many people that could just create comics and not help anyone and say, oh, screw the rest of you. And they do, but like, but and I, I will happily say, hand to heart, that's not why I started the channel. 
I started the channel because I genuinely wanted, like, it, it was lockdown. I wanted to help people. I thought, you know, especially in the UK, like, we're on furlough. We're getting paid to stay at home. It's like, like, do you know what? Now is, like, the opportune time to go out there and make your comments. And what I assume is, like, there, there is an audience to it. There, 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 there's people out there that want to make comics and they need to look at guidance. Like, if, like, I may be giving the wrong advice. I may be telling people to be completely wrong. But, but there may be a nugget of information in there that someone didn't think of that may help them. It may avoid them spending all their money on their first comic, which is a full-blown comic rather than starting with a four-page comic. And that's it. Because I know so many creators that went out and made their first full comic before they had learned the craft and learned, you know, like I need to do this, this, and this to, like, for that comic to work. And they've never made another comic. And that breaks my heart because I know they wanted to make comics. And they they want they, they want to run before they can walk. And you really do need to learn to walk. You know, like, again, I can run a marathon. Walk a marathon. Um, but, like, like I'm not going to get up to dad than the marathon and think that I'm going to, you know, do a really great time without any training, without putting that preparation in. It's it's not like that. And I think we live in a world where we want instant gratification. And that is not how the world works. Like, learn your craft, stay humble, help others, support others. And if it happens to you, it happens to you. If it doesn't happen to you, don't be bitter. Like, I'm 10 years in, I'm 40. I could be the bitterest person about making comics ever. You know, I could... I could, like, a couple of years ago, like, J.J. Abrahams and his son, like, did the Spider-Man comic. I could be like, how dare J.J. Abrahams' son deserve to make a comic? He's not put any effort in. It's like, like he's just playing hand he's dealt. Like, the dude is the, the child of a billionaire, like, film director, you know, like, and his dad's putting his own reputation on, on, on the line by going, you know, we're going to do this together. You know, if my son's not good enough, like it's going to reflect badly on me. So his dad thinks he's good enough, so they're going to do it together. It's like, like, well, I've been doing it ten years. Why, why do they get a shot and I and I don't? It's like, but no, that's not the way to think about it. Like, we are all on our own individual journeys, but we're going to get there differently. Some of us may not even get there, and I'm, I'm totally stealing this. I mean, there's a there's a great documentary on Netflix called um, the. Uh, What's it called? Uh, the Defiant Ones. And it's about Dr. Dre and uh, Jimmy Iovine, uh, the guys that started Beats Headphones. Oh, yeah. You know, you've got Dr. Dre, massive rapper. Everyone knows who he is, you know, NWA, that kind of thing. Um, and Irvine, he's like a fa- very famous film producer. And Irvine tells a story about racehorses, you know, and there's a reason why they wear those little guards over their eyes called blinkers. It's because if they start paying attention to the horses running either side, like they'll bolt, like they'll throw the jockey off and like they will just go off on their own thing. Like, and that's what you need to do. Like, don't care about other people do it, just like run your own race. Like, yeah, I know, and I know it's really, really hard when you're a comic creator. Like, if you're an artist, you're always comparing yourself to other artists. Like, you're always, like you can't help, but you need to stop. If you're a writer and you see like someone else's career take off faster than yours, you need to stop comparing. It's, that's not going to benefit you. It's just going to make you angry. It's going to make you bitter. It's going to make you resentful. Like, unless you're going to use it to inspire you, like, well, if he's done it, I've done it. If she's done it, I can do it. 
And that's the way I think. It's like, I'm just going to keep making comics. If something comes from it, it comes from it. If it doesn't, I'm making comic. How cool is that? Like, I'm writing a, I'm writing a comic about a guy going to hell to shove a hammer up the devil's butt. How cool is that? Something that's cool. So, like, what would I care that, you know, writer X has just got, um, you know, a, a, a deal with whatever publisher is. Why do I care? Uh, he's now in the system, you know, like uh, he or she, you know, like they're going to build a audience. Good thing. That's their journey. My journey is my character's going to shove a hammer up the devil's butt. <laughs> what more do you need in life? Exactly. Exactly. It's gonna, this, this comic's going to tear down walls. Buttholes, but no, but that, but that's but I I I I, but I generally mean it's like like then that's one of the things, especially on Twitter. I mean, you must see as well so much anger, so much anger. It's like there's just no need for it. Just run your own race. Just make your comics. Enjoy it. I know it's hard work. I know it costs money, but do it because you enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, stop. If it's getting to the point where it's affecting you to be so angry, stop. Why would, why would you do something you don't enjoy? Or do something that you enjoy and it makes you unhappy? Don't, I don't get it. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> so to round off, what is the power? What do you think is the power of comics? Why should people give it a go? Why should people even just try reading comics? What are the power of them? What do they do for you? How could you not love comics? Seriously, how, how could you not? It's awesome art, great stories, over-the-top characters. Like, what is not to love about comics? In, like, you can't boil it down to anything. Like, 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 like Superman. Like, the dude's wearing underwear on top of his clothes. What's not to love? Like, I know they don't play on it more, but, like, they stopped doing it off the film. Like, like Deadpool, like, we talk about that Cowboy Ninja Viking, which is you can tell it was heavily influenced by Deadpool. You know, before the film came out, like people don't realize like Deadpool had like multiple personalities. It was hilarious. Like, like, like what's not to love? You know, it's what's yeah, I, you know, I just I, it, it, you're saying like what why should people like why not? Like, for me, it's like that he's like why why not? Why would you not like comics? Well, for kids. They're really not <laughs> like <laughs> never been for kids like, like they, they were written by like adolescent adults and like like I reread it a little while ago like the first Daredevil comic I ever read it's really funny. like guy meets a woman no no this is genuine like I've, I've got it I've got it um, it's Daredevil I, I always forget this is really bad like it's my first ever comic and I always forget the number it's Daredevil I think it's like 343 three. I've got it by now like, I'll dig it out like it's about a character called the Surgeon General, right? And what she does is she finds guys, it's like she's a gorgeous woman, she finds guys in clubs, lures them back to, like, her apartment, drugs them, steals their organs, and sells them on the black market. She's called the Surgeon General. I was eight. Yeah. We're for kids. So the only reason Daredevil gets involved is because like she leaves one of her victims in the park 
because there's, there's like a whole, you know, like organization behind. Like, like the victim's left in the park, and then two guys try and mug the guy that's just had his organs stolen. Jesus. <laughs> and then the, later in the issue, they did the second shoe, like, they're going to get Spider Man to help him to be the bait. It's so terrible, it's great. <laughs> how could like they, so that's what be like how comics are not for kids have never been for kids like the stories are so I need to get a food for you it's unbelievable you know it's yeah like so it's not like why should people read comics like why should you not they're not for kids they're never been for kids never let your kids read comics <laughs> otherwise they'll turn out like me and, you know they'll be idiots as we've said like many many times you know in this in this uh, chat thank you very much for having me on by the way I don't know if I mentioned it earlier uh, I've really enjoyed this. Um, I don't get out much. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So, like, why would you not? Why, why, why on earth would you like? Well, I mean, mentioned like Cowboy Ninja Viking. No, I mentioned Major Bummertube. Hmm. Again, I'm going to say it again Nazi T Rex. Why would you not want to read this book? Like, like you look, look at like the best, like, you, like I'm, I'm literally going to go on Amazon right now because, you know, it, like, let's, let's Google like comics, like graphic novels, right? Let's look at the, let's look at like the top 10 and let's say why not to, why, why would you not want to, like, there we go, right? Okay, so we have got Watchmen. Why would you not want to read Watchmen? Don't get it wrong. I've read it once. It's a tough read. And that's not because it's a bad comic. It's, it's, the way I think about Watchmen, it's like swimming through syrup. It's so thick. It's so rich. It's 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 a novel. It's a novel in a, in a in a graphic form. It's amazing. Everyone should read it at least once, you know. But like, it's it's a tough read if you've never read a comic before. Like, but visually, it's Dave Gibbons smashes it. The colors are great. The story is just huge. I mean, that's great. I mean, what else we got here? This is uh, this isn't the top ten. I've just googled like graphic novels in there. It's like you've got like um, there's a little like TKO box, T- TKO comics in there, and they're great if people have never read them. Like you know you got Garth Ennis doing like a Russian like uh, sniper comic called Sarah. It's a great book. The Boys, which is another uh, Garth Ennis book, great. You know if you're gonna read a Garth Garth Ennis comic, you know read Hitman because that's a lot better in my opinion. But you know like uh, Saga, Saga's great. Don't get me wrong. I got, I got, I stopped reading after like issue thirty. But it's a sci-fi soap opera. It's fantastic. I try to read it. Alan Moore's Swamp Thing was one was one of the comics that made me want to write comics. You know, he took a character, and if you've never read, I'm not going to spoil it. He took a character, did a twist on the origin that made me fall in love with the character. You know, they're, they're, why would you not want to read these books? They're absolutely awesome. There's a lot of manga in here as well, which is cool. You know. Um, Neil Gaiman, you know, 1602, which, which is a great book. Outcast by Robert Kirkman, you know, like Sin City, oh, you know, Noir, if you like Noir, it's there. Kingdom Come, Alex Ross, beautiful. Oh, Mark Wade's words. Come on. Oh, Chef's Kiss. It's epic. Like, again, you know, Batman Dand, I haven't read that yet. You know, Batman Joker by Brian Azzarello, you know, Lee Bajama, but I never pronounced for the same. The Mejo. You know, it's a great book, you know, like, these are these are all like why would you not want to read these stories? Like I don't understand it. It's absolutely crazy. But yeah, so yeah, so it's not why should people read comics? Like, why should you not want to read comics? That's something for everyone. And if you like, if you can't be open-minded to, to read a comic, like mouse, bloody hell, you know, banned in certain schools in the states. But come on, it's 
Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, they whatever you want. It's there. You want sci-fi? Brilliant. You want horror? There. You want superhero? Yeah. No, everything in between. And my new one, Voodoo Cowboy, which you haven't spoke about on the channel. Horror Western. You know, it's like whatever your taste is, there's something for you with regards to comics. You can find Matt on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Garvey 1981. So that's M A T T G A R V E Y 1981. You can find the ongoing video series Making Comics with Matt Garvey on YouTube. Matt's most recent project, Voodoo Cowboy, has utterly smashed its Kickstarter target and will be available shortly. You can find all of his comics available for sale at his website, mattgarvey.com. Print copies are subject to availability, but all are available digitally. And remember, if your local comic book store does not stock them, remember to let Matt know so we can give them a call. As always, thank you for listening. You can contact the show at Era of Geek on social media or head to superdummy.co.uk slash geek. If you like the show, please do leave a review and tell your friends. You can also leave a review on podchaser.com.